What's up everyone and welcome to episode 82 of the Just an Insight podcast, a show where I, Tim Birkbeck, speak to people in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, hope everyone's well. Uh, I'm recording this with a belly full of curry uh, and watching NFL Red Zone, so I'm feeling quite lethargic, I've, I've got to admit. Um, and after a bit of a hectic week, uh, week prior, this week's been a bit of karma, so yeah, but been able to kind of actually do things this week as rather than rushing around like a headless chicken um i went and saw ross noble uh it was for work but who wouldn't jump at the opportunity to see ross noble um he was fucking hilarious like it's hard to describe he's just all over the shop and there was more than one occasions where i was saying to myself what the fuck is this guy going on about but he manages to, to keep himself on track and brings everything around. So I guess that's sort of the whole port of part port sorry part of like honing your craft as a comedian is kind of bringing these these narratives back around in a circle. But yeah, if you ever get a chance to go see Ross Noble, uh, go check him out. If you haven't seen any of his stuff on TV or anything like that, go search him on YouTube because he's just a funny dude. Um, yeah, that was that. And then today uh, I'm recording this on on a Sunday. Uh, I went and saw the Venom film. Now, I had seen a lot of negative reviews about it online and so on and so forth. But like when it comes to film, I always want to form my own opinion. Um, but on this occasion, I think the reviews are right. It's just so distinctively average. Um, the actual footage of Venom is quite poor considering what people can do with CGI nowadays. Um, the story itself is pretty non-existent. It's it's not really explained very well um and yeah it was just it was just a bit poor but yeah that's kind of it that was my that's my week in in review so let's let's get into this week's news um i'll start off with uh hardcore veterans race traitor uh the band have just shared their video for new song cataclysm which is uh coming off their upcoming album um and in true race traitor form uh, none of the band members actually feature in the in the video. Um, it's all kind of performed by various members of DIY bands of all different ethnic majority. Sorry, ethnic ethnicities. That's the word I was looking for. Sorry, um, and genders. Uh, and the song just absolutely rips as well. So make sure you go check that out. Search on YouTube. Um, this one's a little bit of old news, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, good friends. Uh, over in Germany, the title Sleep uh, have a new four-track EP out. It's called Be Kind. Uh, you can purchase that on via their Bandcamp and, and so forth. Um, but they're also out touring that. So if you're in the mainland, make sure you go check them out because those guys are a really wicked live band. Um, and finally, for the news this week, one of my favourite bands at the moment, Hers, uh, have announced that they're releasing not one but two split records um and considering that they only just released their debut full length earlier in the year it just shows how relentless that they're being and that this year is their year in terms of kind of the hardcore world um so yeah if you head over to get better records you can pick up both of those um right so that's it for my week in the review and the news so let's get on with our guest and this week i am joined by uh, daughter's vocalist alexis marshall um we discuss how he discovered sort of live music and everything in the Rhode Island scene when he moved out there um 
uh, to talk about how he uses his voice as an instrument when he sort of started when Daughter started uh, sort of like playing around with different sort of techniques I guess is the best way to sort of obviously we talk about the breakup of the band and the reunion of Daughters as well and there's so much more in this chat um, it's I say this quite a lot but it's a really really cool chat I really enjoyed this one um, so yeah please sit back enjoy my chat with Alexis and I'll see you on the other side Joining me this week on the Just an Inside podcast is Daughters vocalist uh, Alexis Marshall. Alexis, thank you very much for for taking the time for doing this. How, how are you doing? How are things stateside? Uh, they're okay. It's a uh, transitional period weather-wise, yeah. So it's the hurricane <laughs> season. So oh, of it's course. Just, uh, it's just kind of rainy and shitty all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well. As I, as I mentioned just before I hit the record button, the show is called Just an Insight, and I like to take my my guests back to their back to their roots, so to say. So the question I always start things off with is, what was your first introduction to alternative music? Uh, my brother, I have an older brother who's ten years older than me. Right. And uh, he was really into. I mean, this was a early '80s, mid '80s. He was into. Uh, he was skateboarder. He was a, and he listened to a lot of like New York hardcore, um, a lot of the th- like thrash bands, um, uh, DRI and COC and all that kind of okay. shit. Okay. So he, I got exposed to. I was exposed to music through him. Yeah. Um, alternative music, I guess uh, one would call it. So. You know, that's where I got a hold of it. And, you know, he had all kinds of cool shit, you know. Uh, crazy, like, Alice Cooper live shows on video and would, you know, put them on and you know, we'd hang out and watch horror movies and listen to his uh, Suicidal Tendencies tapes and oh, nice. you know, shit like that. And uh, that, it, it, was, it was cool. He was, uh, he played guitar and, all his friends had cool names, and, <laughs> uh, like nicknames and shit. And yeah, you know, he got his ear pierced. It was like in 1986 or 85. You know, yeah, he was he was the coolest guy I knew. So that's what I, I just listened to. What he kind of told me to listen to. He drew shit on my coats and my jackets, and uh, you know, wrote band names down on yeah. my stuff. And I just said, yeah, great. So it was kind of, kind of a similar to to I've got an older brother. He's four four years older, and sort of it sounds kind of similar. So was it kind of like hand me down? Sort of like he'd discover a band, then say to you, "Oh, check out X, Y, and Z," sort of thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think he, I just took an interest in what he was doing, and uh, you know, we were close. We had a older sister who uh, a year older than him, so eleven years older than myself, and. She, you know, we didn't know, we didn't get along, so I think it was sort of an us against her. Type right. Of thing. Okay. Um. So. <laughs> so we, we were like we were pretty close, uh, but we had a kind of not a very good home life. So you know, we had kind of had each other, and that was about it. Yeah. And you know, I so I just whatever he was into, I wanted to be into it. I don't think there was a he never took me aside, told me to check anything out because uh, you know as I got older. And I continued to listen to that type of uh, music. He got into, you know, hip hop and, and rap, and I didn't, I didn't follow suit then. 
mm. I continued where I, I stayed where I was for the most part. So um, I, I just I was enamored with him when I was young and uh, whatever he was doing. So, so you know, but music was really important to him. Yeah. And, uh, so it, it, I just there was so much of it around. I just I stayed with that. I went with it. So in terms of kind of your your own discovery, then like what would you kind of say? was the kind of first sort of bands that you kind of discovered off your own back that, that weren't necessarily stuff that your brother was listening to? Well, I had uh, <clears throat> friends closer to my age, and I got into probably, like, you know, more kind of glam stuff, Motley Crue and things like that. All right, them. okay. But also listened to, like, Man of War and oh, nice. Malaya Rage and, um, you know, and, and naturally, you know, progressing into bands like death and um you know that kind of shit so i i I could i don't know who i kind of found by myself i have no idea Uh, but aside from what my brother was bringing to me i had other friends who were into other things yeah um and my dad listened to you know arlo guthrie and uh, a lot of folk music and country so i listened to a bit of that and everything that my mother was listening to more kind of pop music, uh, like popular radio hits yeah. and all that, so we should top 40 or whatever. Uh, so th- there was just a lot of different uh, kinds of music in, in my life at all times. Mm. Um, but the, but it's, the, you know, we like when, when parents, I don't want to say parents because I'm a parent, but, yeah. you know, when uh, older people, or whatever you like <laughs> yeah. to call them, listen to to music but just it's just sort of like it's on you know then yeah yeah i get you to it. but uh it seems you know when people are into punk or, or hardcore metal and, and all this and stuff that there's like more of a devotion to it yeah yeah it seems and then like a, a, a not a, like even a willingness to share it but like a need to share it to then to keep the whole thing alive and, and continuing hmm. uh there's no worry that people are going to fall off the you know the the trail of Fleetwood Mac and get lost somewhere, <laughs> yeah. right? Because like they're they've got it together, they're going to be okay. But you know, not everyone's going to hear about Agnostic Front or something, or, and you've got to you know you got to play those records. You got to yeah. play. You're going to have to get a. You have to play Victim in Pain for somebody. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. At some point in your life, you just you're supposed to. You know, you have to do it. And so. where whereabouts did you grow up? I lived all over Massachusetts. Okay. My uh, my parents weren't together, <clears throat> and so I, I grew up sort of, uh, you know, some suburbs uh, across Massachusetts. Uh, my father moved quite a bit, but, uh, you know, suburbs of Boston, places like Brockton and uh, yeah, some other, uh, yeah, and I suburb, I use sub, suburb usually, uh, loosely with Brockton, but um, so it was sort of around, you know, I didn't really... Uh, feel like I lived anywhere I'd go with my father for a few days a uh, weekend here and a week ago you know summertime so I'd go with my father for the for the summer and uh, mm. he was hopping around living in a, in a room in somebody's house or a couch somewhere and you know sometimes my brother would be there sometimes my brother would be somewhere else or living with a friend uh, it was kind of chaotic yeah but for the for up until maybe you know 98 I, I was I lived in Massachusetts and, and various places in Massachusetts. Mm. The the reason I ask is because obviously I know 
in America, obviously various states, and obviously have different kind of music scenes and and sort of varying sort of types of punk and scenes. So, so the reason I ask is, what was it kind of like for you when you were discovering sort of live music? Whether was it quite a sort of a hive mind for for like alternative punk music? Like how did you sort of discover the live aspect of things? I mean, that wasn't until we moved. I moved closer to Rhode Island. Right. Okay. I was living sort of on the line, uh, just outside, and then. Shortly after that, moved moved to to Providence, and kind of became part of like Rhode Island hardcore scene. But you know, I as a kid, I was really uncomfortable all the time. Um, I never wanted to go to the city. I was, you know, my folks brought me to the city. It was like sort of overwhelming for me. And uh, you know, even until recently, sometimes just like I got to go into New York for something. I just think shit I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. fucking nightmare it's gonna be but uh you know I I had a, a fear just sort of this inherent fear of, of large groups and places and uh it wasn't until I started playing music and uh we thought the hell well shit I, you know, this is fun to play we're gonna have to go somewhere we're gonna have to go to a city to do this because yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to do anything about the city uh, um, random towns where, where like nobody gives a shit about what you're doing or is particularly interested in music music becomes incidental mm. you gotta go somewhere where people are there because they care about music and want to have an experience and not just be at the show because they don't know eh, like I don't know what else to do and all the kids are at the the VFW I guess there's a show there I don't know so you know you want it to be a, 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 you want to have purpose yeah so you know, I didn't feel uh, I really was part of any scene. I never was part of like a Boston hardcore scene or anything like that. And uh, we we moved to uh, Rhode Island to Providence, and that was when I felt like I belonged somewhere and started like experiencing music regularly, like, just like going out to see every show and mm. um, all the various clubs and, and meeting uh, everybody involved, people booking shows, and you know, it happened uh, quickly, but naturally and, and then one and it was great because that it wasn't scary anymore yeah I was so, very comfortable with it what what sort of age were you then when you moved to to providence i was 18 okay we so, were going to shows there when i was you know uh 16 and, and uh the first show it was like a real hardcore show i ever went to was uh in connecticut a place called the lng doesn't exist anymore or some variation of it exists now again but uh i saw just like this it was it was like my first experience with like a scary hardcore show <laughs> yeah that was like i was a little guy and uh uh it was war zone hatebreed madball marauder oh, uh what business. a lineup yeah and the, and the war zone didn't make it in hatebreed or Wars, Hatebreed didn't make it but like Warzone showed up but didn't play for whatever reason and it was just like but like the business was fucking brilliant and, and the guy like Madball was fucking crazy good and Marauder was, was just scary <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. there were guys there was like fights and all this crazy shit going on and I was like yo this is like fucking scary shit <laughs> this is too much of me maybe but I, I like, kind of had it immediate fascination with it and, and that it seemed a bit uh, dangerous and, yeah um, because until then I had you know 
in my dad took me to see the Grateful Dead when I was a baby or something. Or so I think we saw Arlo Guthrie at some hippie festival and um, saw the Bangles in like you know fucking '86 or something. Um, you know nothing, um, uh, nothing great. You know um, that shit doesn't is so so like another world compared to going to a club in some kind of shitty city or some weird yeah. corner or like armpit of the city and there's it's amazing to, to have that sort of connection and not feel the distance between um, going to see you know the Grateful Dead <laughs> yeah. a huge thing that you're you're not you're not a part of anything you're not a part of the show you're you're there to see it yeah of course but, but punk you know going to punk shows and hardcore shows is thought well I'm I'm here I could like take part in this yeah I could be a part of this and that was that was great and in terms of kind of your sort of musical journey obviously everyone sort of nowadays will, will know you for being a vocalist but was that something that you always wanted to do did you toy around with playing instruments how did your kind of own sort of musical discovery start when I was a kid I was uh, always singing a lot um, so my brother sort of you know got it into me that that there was a lot of music, you know, not just what was on the radio. Yeah. And, uh, that, so I, you know, got, you know, everything that he was into, you know, and he, I, he recorded, you know, dubbing cassettes for me and, you know, my other friends getting into it. But, but, you know, kind of before that was, uh, you know, Billy Idol and, uh, Michael Jackson and singing, you know, uh, around the house as a kid, like kids do, you know, kids yeah. are per, they're little performers, and, you know, I <laughs> yeah. wasn't any different, but I was always singing, um, maybe other kids eventually find a, have another interest and, and go off in another direction, but I never stopped doing that, and maybe by discovering a lot of music and a lot of new music that I, I, I never fell off that wagon and just sort of kept going and continued to you know, sing around the house or whatever the hell I was doing, but <laughs> I, I never tried, like instruments never interest, interested me and uh, they seemed really complicated. <laughs> yeah. And I never looked at the guitar player or the drummer when I was watching uh, videos or, or seeing these things on television, you know, the, the singers are the, kind of the focal point. So, yeah. and naturally my gaze went there and it, and, and it was self you were self-reliant it seemed when you were singing like you just were freely moving around and the instrument was within you know it's it's a you know it's within yourself and it's not like uh, you don't need anything to do it you don't need a, a hook of you know any electricity or <laughs> yeah. a plug in the wall or a cab you don't need a head you don't need a guitar you don't need to go get strings and tune shit you know that's it that shit seems like such a headache to me. <laughs> no, I, 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 I totally the, agree. My least favorite thing to do on tour is when someone is someone says, "Hey, uh, can we stop at a guitar center? I gotta get a uh, sticks or I gotta get some strings." I just think, "Fuck me!" Like <laughs> this is just gonna be two hours of bullshit where everyone dicks around and nothing gets done. And, and I, it's my least favorite thing to have to go. So <laughs> I and uh, you know, I just I'm happy to sing and to keep my uh, costs to the minimum when it comes yeah. to that kind of shit I don't have to worry about all that other stuff everyone else is worried about I, I, um, I totally agree like I I think when I was younger like I wanted to sort of emulate my brother so I tried picking up a guitar but I've got 
Like I don't have the the hand coordination to to do it at all. Yeah. Um, and kind of similar to to yourself, like whenever I was watching like music videos or even like going to shows, I was always drawn to to the vocalist, and it's just kind of seemed to be the the perfect fit sort of thing. So yeah, I, I totally get where you're coming from in that aspect. Yeah, I mean, my my brother, like I wanted to be like my brother, but my brother played guitar, and that that never, it didn't occur to me that well, like I thought it looked cool, and he had a cool looking guitar, but I didn't want it learn it when yeah. i realized there was a lot of shit involved a lot of effort, <laughs> i just thought wow oh, this is fun this seems like this seems like work i don't want to have to do with that so um yeah so no thanks so when did you kind of first get into performing yourself then obviously going straight into to wanting to be a vocalist was it quite a a daunting experience the first time you you stepped on stage and, and what was kind of your first band like I uh, I used to sing, and you know, in front of the mirror and shit like that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Growing up, you know, and always and, and imagining that someday, like even when I was a, you know, a pretty juvenile, uh, twelve years old or thirteen, I, I wanted to be in a band, and and I was singing along to everything all the time, and in front of the mirror, like a fucking complete asshole. So uh, like singing into a hairbrush or something in front of the mirror, <laughs> yeah. uh, like a total dick. Again, so, I can relate, so don't worry. <laughs> I think most people can. Everyone's done it at some point, I like to think. But uh, when uh, I was uh, 15 or something, maybe, uh, I was at a party, and I had some friends that had a band. They were in a really shitty kind of metal-ish band, you know, doing uh, Slayer covers and things yeah. like that. And they were playing, just like, brought all their gear to this, this fellow's house, and it was open the garage and they were playing in the garage and this kid that usually sings you know wasn't there he went off to do something else and uh, they said hey Lex you want to sing like, everybody knew that was something I talked about doing but didn't do and I said yeah, yeah how hard can this be but I was fucking petrified yeah yeah thankfully there's just there were just like a couple of us and we were all friends so I thought well this should be okay. This can't be. This, <laughs> yeah. this has got to be easy. Like, I got to do this at some point. Let's do it. Let's just do this and not think about it too much. And uh, I did it, and it was just immediately thought, "This is the this is the best thing I've done. This is great." And the kid who was singing, who was a friend of ours, wasn't a very good singer. And immediately they said, "You got to start singing. Like, you should sing with us instead of you know this kid Don." <laughs> yeah. I said, "Ah, okay. Like, yeah, sure." Uh, with no consideration for my friends' feelings whatsoever, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you know, we did that, and it was and it was just bass, you know, playing the basement and rehearsing and um, putting a, a like a really cheap, shitty microphone in the middle of the room, like recording onto a yeah. sort of, onto a cassette, you know, that type of thing, and listening to that over and over again, like we were a real band, you know, that type that type of nonsense. So that was kind of my first experience doing it, and uh, just. With with musicians or not, I, I don't want to say musicians because they absolutely were not musicians. Uh, <laughs> so I use the term very loosely. Then. But uh, you know, with guys who know how to play instruments, and uh, we did some. We're like, let's do this Sepultura song now, and I was like, yeah, I know the words to this Sepultura song. This is cool. And you know, tried to write songs, and we were we were not good at all, as one would expect. But when I was uh, maybe seventeen, I started uh, I had met John 
the daughter's drummer in high school. Yeah. And that was where I went for a year and then failed miserably and was, was, uh, and I left. Uh, you know, I'm, John said, uh, I'm doing this band with uh, these guys. And I kind of invited myself to be a part of it. I said, well, I <laughs> be in that band with you. And he said, oh, okay. And I went to a practice with them and, and they, you know, everybody knew about music. You know, when the, the guys I was playing music with, you know, I used to listen to a radio show called Nasty Habits, which was Emerson College Radio uh, in Massachusetts. Um, and Mark Thompson, who would later do a, a Hydrahead Records with Aaron Turner. Oh, yeah, I thought I recognized the name. <laughs> um, so Mark uh, does Vacation Vinyl. He, he runs, you know, Vacation Vinyl in California. And he was one of the radio hosts. So, you know, I was in junior high, maybe high school, listening to Mark, who eventually would become, like, a very good friend of mine. But um, he but he was playing, they were playing all kinds of shit. And, and I was staying up all night, you know, it's, it's Sunday nights, every Sunday, you know, 11 to 2 a.m. or whatever it was. And would stay up Sunday night, just recording cassettes and flipping things over and, and uh run out of room on the cassette put in another cassette <laughs> yeah. taping over like this old shit it's like was this like old fucking rat cassette yeah, I don't need this shit and you know, you know you tape the edges off so you can I don't, I don't know how many people like recorded uh, tried to record over uh, you know, store bought tapes or whatever manufactured tapes you had to uh, fill like the, 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 you had to fill the, the corners like each edge you would uh, I'm not explaining this well at all <laughs> You could uh, a blank cassette allows the the players so you can hit the record button. Yeah, yeah. And something goes down, it goes in, it holds the cassette, and then it does this whole thing. But if you take those off, you can't. Uh, it doesn't work, or maybe it's, in, it's some fucking craziness. Whatever it was, I haven't done this in clearly. I haven't done this in like over twenty. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you would you would alter the tape so you could record over other bullshit that you just didn't want to listen to. Oh anymore. right, I'm with you now. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Right, and I. And I, I and I'm, and I'm trying to stress it because I was kind of beating myself up trying to remember how the hell he did it. But you could put masking tape on the corners, in the corners, and it would allow you to record over the tape. Oh, okay. So, right, I get you. I should have started it... with that because that is like makes me sound like less of a fucking <laughs> crazy person on a tangent. Right? <laughs> Where I sounded like this insane human being trying to, like, rah, 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 trying to explain how to record over a tape. But, uh, so, you know, you tape the edges anyway. Yeah, but, yeah. This is of and this is of no real significance in the story. <laughs> but just recording, like just trying to fill everything I had, you know, prior with whatever Mark and this guy Johnny were playing. Yeah. Um, and so, and I would bring that to my friends, like check out this fucking band, and like this is this is Napalm Death. This shit is crazy, and everyone's like, yeah, whatever. Like, we just want to listen to this shit. I thought you guys start fucking listening. Like, why isn't anyone listening? And uh, so when I was hanging out with John and these guys. Like, they were listening to, you know, the hardcore bands I was checking out, and you know, bands like Dead Guy and all this like stuff that I just thought was just brilliant. And um, these were like these are the people I should be playing music with, not these like just like boring ass metal dudes. I just want to do Pantera covers. Yeah. Um, so we were writing our own shit, and we were terrible. And the shit we wrote was just really bad. It was kind of like hardcore-ish but we had another dude who was singing and he kind of rapped and we just like were kind of not sure about what the hell we were <laughs> so um it was bad and but we were playing shows we started playing shows and 
booking shows. Um, you know, my parents, my mother, my stepfather owned a owned a bar, like a nightclub. Okay, that's cool. Uh, it's like several towns over. It was a bit of a drive to get out there, but you know, they let me book a Sunday like matinee show, and booked like my first show there. You know, I was seventeen or something, and we were just uh, trying to figure it out and trying to have we were we weren't trying to have fun. we were having a good time and but we didn't know how to have a good time and, and actually do something of, of any really real value yeah um which is sort of the story of your life when you're 17 years old <laughs> but yeah. it, it, we were we were just trying to figure it out and we were having a lot of fun and we weren't good and we knew we weren't very good so we stopped and kind of started a new band and I had touched uh, bass. We, we played a couple shows with the guys I used to play music with. And I quit that band that I was in to play with John and these other guys. But I think that, that I was now playing shows and these other guys were like, what, well, like, we got this guy into music and now he's in another band and he's playing shows. Like, we better get, get it together and start playing shows. So they put a band together. We started playing together as a, you know, the two bands. Yeah. And both bands kind of broke up at the same time and two guys from that band and myself and John started uh, this hardcore band called uh, Cast Off Skin nice which, which was a reference to uh, Ninja Scroll that anime that Japanese oh yeah 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 like uh, that crazy ass movie there's <laughs> a line in that uh, some Cast Off Skin and we used to watch it like, incessantly watching watching that movie constantly over and over again and uh we we uh, so we took the, the little uh, name there and you know made a demo and we're doing shit that real bands do and we're playing shows in the with like real hard like hardcore bands like going to like Brockton to play a show or something and um, uh, going to like real places where, where like there were guys who were. Like actual fucking people in them, yeah. sort of standing <laughs> in hardcore scenes in, in the cities, like, and we were kind of meeting people, and was it was a uh, it was a it was a great experience to be young and then to be welcomed into uh, something, and 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 only partially welcomed, you know, because when you're new, as as welcoming as hardcore and punk is. It, it, used to portray itself it was not like if yeah. you were an outsider you were in fucking trouble especially in some scenes where if you were there and you didn't know anybody like you put you probably don't want to dance because someone is going to want to punch you yeah yeah something. like you're in trouble like you're gonna have some trouble so we were just kind of we were around and i tolerated a little bit and but knew we didn't really fit in so i think everyone allowed us <laughs> but um, that band kind of dissolved and we became uh, maybe a, a year or so that we had a guitar player leave the band who ended up he was he started dating this woman and she was really into like this Ani DeFranco type of singing stuff with him. they started doing shows together and this guy Keith he was becoming like increasing less interested in what we were doing and I've heard that met with a few years ago that he left all that stuff. He got really into drugs and all this stuff, and, and left music. And is a like a preacher, moved to Florida, like a like a preacher. 
some crazy religious nut. <laughs> he like, has a congregation somewhere in Florida. Somewhere oh, God. Hope, hopefully so, it's not some weird kind of cult leader kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him here, so he can do whatever he wants. But uh, uh, that would kind of be wild, though, if, like, the ex as a sunsets precursor to as a sunsets guy ended up starting this like suicide cult in Florida. <laughs> <It would> be, <laughs> it would be dangerous and scary, but kind of interesting. So, so he left, and that that was us stepping into and starting as a sunsets. Yeah, and, um, and kind of uh, really experiencing the scene and becoming a part of of, of the hardcore scene. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So, was that when kind of as the sunsets sort of started kicking on? Was that your first experience of kind of proper touring and, and going out on the road as a band? Um, well, I, I don't think we ever had experience of proper touring. We tried our best, but uh, we didn't. We knew no one came to see us play, and uh, we never we didn't get paid. Mm. And uh, you know, but that but that was like really great. I think that's some of the. Uh, that's a lot of fun with touring when, when when you're young like that. You just don't even realize that. Yeah. Like oh, it, we, like we need to make enough money to drive to the next show. Everyone, everyone just sort of. Save up money because we're gonna go on tour. Like, like we're, uh, you know, like it was up to us to, to make <laughs> yeah. work. Um, you know, it's so different now. And you know, like you know, you get per diem. Like when we were, you know, in a car touring, like you didn't know that you were you could allocate money out to each person on a daily. <laughs> we, we were doctors on a tour with an examination of that when they were like, "You guys don't do a per diem." We said, "No, what's that?" Like, "Oh, you give us like five bucks a day, and you get." Or maybe they band funded a dinner, and then maybe the next tour they were talking about. Like maybe when we went with American Nightmare, they'd start telling us about per diems. We were like, oh, we sh- yeah, oh, yeah, we do that. <laughs> what are we doing? Like, how are we going to survive? But, um, but As the Sunsets was, was kind of the, uh, you know, we, we got a label and had a CD out. Yeah. Um, and we're playing with bands, and, uh, like good bands. We're playing with really good bands, and we're making friends with bands that we're doing a, you know a, we had peers yeah right before like your peers are just you just all go see each other play right and that's it and no one else supports supports the other you know when you're in a band and you're 17 like you just yeah, make other yeah. friends and you, everyone's bad no one's good <laughs> yeah. no one is uh, yeah, like under, no one knows anybody who book show you're just all kind of like you come out to see each other play and that's the population of the, of the room um but, you know, we had friends living in New Hampshire. Say, Come up and play in New Hampshire. And we'll have a show. And then you're, like, introduced to people in their scene. And you start meeting other people. And this is so-and-so. We have shows in Burlington, Vermont. Well, we'll, we'll go to Vermont. But... So, uh, you know, that's when we started uh, networking or yeah. something. Or just sort of becoming a part of a, a not just the local scene, but, um, you know, other scenes. And, and people were seeing us. In, in other places and mm. people were coming from other places to see us and that was that was our first time with that and obviously from the from the ashes of um, As a Sunset Daughters was kind of born so when the the sort of idea of Daughters was kind of put out there because obviously even still to this day Daughters has got a very unique sound to, to what it is and I think there's still bands that try and emulate that but can't sort of quite get it as well as you guys have done it but was there kind of an idea of what you wanted the sound to be in those early sort of embryonic stages 
Yeah, well, the so myself and John and Jeremy were <clears throat> the songwriters in uh, As the Sun Sets. We had two guitar players, but they didn't write anything. Um, you know, they didn't show up on time for anything. They weren't really around <laughs> much. They didn't know anyone. They were they were just kind of there, and they played their guitars. But we had a particularly bad tour that that last As the Sun Sets tour, and um, we had a, our guitar player was just like kind of violently drunk and had threatened oh, uh, threatened us and that breaks my nose or something oh, shit. Like, all of our noses I'll break all your noses was a was a was a phrase and we thought well this is just not that good he threw something like threw something in my face one one day and all this like, crazy shit and uh, I was like this is this isn't fun this isn't, we're trying to have fun on the tour and then we got out uh, we got down to meet up with the label that moment of clarity who was putting out uh Seven seven four four, and they had received the layout, and, and we, we we got down there. We saw the CD, and here it is. And we're meeting the layout, the label. This is a great thing, and the layout was wrong. Like all the, the it was done incorrectly, and I was kind of pissed about it. And the guy who ran the label said, "Hey, I think you should, uh, you know, so everybody worked really hard on this, and I think you should be proud of it." And I said, "The layout's wrong, man. I'm <laughs> upset about this. Like, let me be upset. Like, why? I, I just." And, uh, you know, we, we played a show there in Florida where they were located. And after the show, you know, I used to, I always played with my back to the crowd. I just did it because I felt like we were playing in our own circle. Yeah. We were, the five of us were playing together. And, you know, the crowd was uh, was there. And sometimes it wasn't there. So I felt like it was always easier just like, I'm just going to face John and we'll all just play with each other. And people can have fun if they want. But it's better to not know if there are any there because yeah, yeah. I don't want to upset myself. But uh, he said, you know, you should turn around and face the crowd. And, and I just thought, this is fucking stupid. This, this is my experience with the record loop. This is awful. These people don't give a shit about us. We're, we, we got a guy who's going to break our noses. Uh, we got another guy who's skipping rehearsals and not around and making excuses of why we find him hanging out at his girlfriend's house. Like, this, nobody gives a shit. So we were driving home from that tour, and myself and John and Jeremy were sitting together, and we said... Uh, so Jeremy was going to do a noise project called Daughters with this other fella, this guy Adam. And I said, Jeremy, don't use Daughters. I use it. Let's, we're going to start a band when we get home. The three of us, we'll get some other people and we'll, we'll call it Daughters because that's a, that's a cool name. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy said, all right, we'll do that. We just drove home and just started to piece it together um, kind of right away. And yeah, that was... Uh, Kind of like a terrible experience that tour, but it was fun. It was, it was shit, and uh, <laughs> yeah. but it kind of changed the way we were looking at music and performing music, and and uh, you know what it is we were we were doing. We had to you know, kind of reshape ourselves. Yeah, and, and get serious and find find other people who were who wanted to be serious because that was a big problem. Is we had guys in the band that just were not very serious and didn't weren't. We didn't want to go on tours and yeah. we didn't want to go away for a, a month and you know live in a fucking cargo van. That, that just didn't <laughs> interest them. And we were like, "That's this is what we have to do. This is what we want to do. This is what we're going to do. Let's get people who want to do that and are ready to do. So that's what we did. But like in terms of kind of the, the sound that you guys had, but like what were the kind of influences that, that you were drawing from in those early days? I think there were a lot of bands that were... Uh, 
know, obviously the Locust were yeah band we all shared, we all liked very much. Uh, there were, you know, a lot of bands like a song, uh, Song Zarathustra and Yusuf Synapse and Jerome's Dream and uh, Orchid and a lot of those bands we we all shared an interest in. Um, so we were kind of looking to evolve, like, because it's still even there's still a correlation between as the sun sets the end of as sunsets and, and the beginning of daughters because yeah. even then it was still uh, kind of the same process uh, writing wise and uh, you know we uh, carried it seems like a continuation I think when I when I listen to that uh, first daughter seven inch when I listen to that I don't know the last time I fucking listened to that <laughs> why I said if one is to listen to the first time you, you can hear like the the it sounds like a natural progression. Yeah, of course. You know, they, they, those in all likelihood would have just been as a sunset songs. Um, you know, it was John's style of writing and John's style of playing guitar that we carried with us and all adapted. And that was, uh, and we, so we were influenced by all those, those, those bands, like, uh, and, and, and not necessarily wanted to be like those bands but wanted to exist in that world because we didn't want to be kind of a metal band because at first that each individual voice at daughter's record uh, as sunset's record is just kind of a kind of confused very dated like that emotional metal shit one would hear like, yeah you know, very melodic bands like uh, overcast and, and stuff that that i mean i still like overcast but but you know, it's it's a, it's of its time. That yeah, it sounds, yeah, yeah. It certainly sounds like that era it was in, and I feel that way about that um, first as a sunset record. So we want to not necessarily sound like anyone else, but we wanted to be a part of what what everyone was doing, and and you know, we were seeing those bands and playing with those bands and listening to you know whatever kind of whatever one would call that music. So it it. it was rubbing off on us mm. and we were seeing that we could blend what we had been doing with newer sounds and uh, we were very interested in bands like you know Arab on Radar uh, that were from Providence and, and a lot of the noise and a lot of the, the really interesting shit that was going on in Providence at the time uh, bands like Lightning Bolt and so on and Men's Recovery Project and uh, so there was uh, an interest of ours in, in noise and as well as what we were carrying with us, uh, bands like The Locust and Usurps and Apps and so on. Mm. And so it, we were still just trying to figure out how to process everything we were hearing, you know, um, yeah. and, and didn't know really who we were yet, but we're doing our best to <laughs> yeah. be our own band. I don't know. And in terms of your kind of vocal stylings, obviously, I think over time that obviously has grown and progressed but in those sort of early days obviously in Canada songs and Hell songs obviously it's, your voice is a very sort of distinguished part of the band and it's also almost acts as a sort of fourth instrument but uh, it's it's hard to kind of define because it's not quite shouting it's not quite screaming so was, was that a conscious choice for, from yourself that you wanted to kind of play around with your voice rather than it just being a straight up shout or scream like other punk bands and hardcore bands have been doing in the past yeah 
I, I was just screaming because I didn't really know that's what I had always done, and it didn't occur to me that I could do anything else. Yeah. Uh, and I had never tried. And um, much like the first time I was screaming in a band, I was nervous. So when the, when I had felt like I wanted to start singing, I was you know equally as nervous. So I just I, I sort of st- I stayed away from it, and because I was scared. Yeah. And, and I didn't know. I didn't even know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I just I just came. It got to a point where what we were doing musically was becoming much more interesting, and I knew I couldn't glide through by doing the same shit I had been doing. It, and and it, just being just screaming in a band didn't seem interesting or fun to me. Mm. And and I knew. So I mean, so that was one thing. It it, it, it wasn't. I wasn't having fun with it. It was, it was easy, and but I also knew that we were doing something more interesting, and things were changing musically, and that I had to change, or or we just sound like everything else. Yeah, I, I thought, and I wanted to not do that. I, I, everyone was getting better at their instrument, and I wasn't getting better at mine. So I felt that I had to, I had to, to kind of step up and really get my shit together, mm. and, uh, grow as a as a. Maybe that was sort of the beginning of my feelings of music as art where I, I knew it was the time for me to, to grow as a, an artist or something like mm. that. Um, because of that, obviously, as you say, like not wanting to sort of do what you were used to, obviously, the musically, the band, some of the stuff that they were coming out, you guys were coming out with in those early days, uh, unless you were sort of really plugged in and sort of a fan of like the bands like The Locust and Jerome's Dream and things like that that you mentioned, like for a lot of people, Daughters was kind of an entry band for for that sort of style of, of punk and hardcore right. so I guess the, the question I'm sort of posing is obviously with the kind of rhythmic sort of style of the music like the sort of sporadic guitar things as a vocalist like who's gone from screaming and shouting was it difficult to kind of transition into something that was a bit more kind of I guess jazzy to, to an extent in in its timings and the way that you'd work your lyrics in into it rather than just screaming over the the beat sort of thing yeah i mean just screaming in a band it, it takes no creativity <laughs> uh, it doesn't at all and anyone who says that it does is just just lying to you that's it's bullshit um and i can say that because i've been on you know both sides uh, yeah, yeah you know I, I just screamed in a band and when I was young and I thought I was doing something brilliant, I, I wasn't because I, what the hell did I know? I was, you know, 17 and 18 and I didn't know shit about music. And I was, I thought that was being very deep and what have you. So, um, then I started getting older and realizing that, that I'm not, this is not, a, this is of no interest. This is, this takes nothing. This, that can of songs. I don't say words a lot of the time. <laughs> I couldn't, I had written words. I couldn't get them to fit. Yeah. And that, that's why we would tour and I would I would sing and people would would sing at me, sing along with me, and I thought I'm not even saying I don't even know what I'm saying. Why are you singing to me right now? You're That's incredible. And, but I was so I, I appreciate and I still and, and always have appreciated the that uh, the exchange, which I think is important. But there were times where I just thought like this is fucking stupid. What I'm doing isn't real. Like what I'm doing is not a real thing. Um. So, uh, it, it, you know, yeah. The, 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 the change had to be made and then it wasn't uh, it's not an interesting uh, thing to do to just mm. scream and, and um, I, I 
Fuck, I don't know. And obviously, as I as I mentioned, sort of daughters was was kind of like a a gateway band for for some people uh, getting into that sort of style of music. So, for from an insider, like because obviously I just discovered you guys through through Hell Songs, um, and then obviously kind of went back and listened to Canada songs, and and obviously people sort of that was their jumping in point. So for for you, where was there a moment when you kind of realised like oh shit people are kind of clicking with what we're doing and, and kind of are paying attention to us I don't I don't I don't think there was there was more of an interesting moment to me when we began to or our peers were bands that we respected right okay that we that we liked you know when we toured with Blood Brothers yeah that was and we were doing shows with Locust with the Locust and we were kind of befriending this, these guys and um, you know coalesce like asking us to tour with them and um, I remember we played uh, early on we also I think early on when Pat joined our band Pat was the original bass player for Daughters and Pat was uh, he sang for Force Fed Glass which is a kind of unknown and really un- unappreciated uh, uh, kind of screamy, like just a screamy screamo, whatever the hell the fucking term I don't know <laughs> But they were amazing, and anyone listening should look up um, Force Fed Glass. They did a split with the Swarm uh, at one point, and they uh, did a Fall Leningrad split that was really great. And they were when Pat joined our band, I felt like kind of validated because we we all really liked that band. Yeah. Uh, Ben Kohler was the original drummer for, oh, sick. for Force for Glass. So um, when Pat joined our band, we, and Pat had sang for a band called Bastion, that was that was a kind of a screamy, emotional band uh, before he was in Force for Glass, like so in the mid '90s. And and ba- Pat's presence really validated us. Uh, we felt that like, oh, well, here's a person we respect musically, and he's he's playing with us. So that that must mean we're not just some pile of shit. We're not just some band, like some fucking jokers, right? That we thought, like, oh, there's something here. Like, we're, we have some legs to stand on now. And uh, so that, that's the shit that mattered to us. Yeah. Because, I mean, as a sense, had played, had played shows somewhere and then there's a shitload of people and then we played somewhere else and there was nobody there. So we had experience playing in front of full rooms and, or festivals and, and you know playing things so that that was um, those were sort of hollow uh, when those things happened I think if there was a moment where I felt like whoa things are actually kind of kind of working out for us is when we were asked to play Hellfest okay and what was, I don't know if that was 2003 or something but that was that was crazy that was our that was the biggest obviously like of course the biggest show we, we had ever played yeah and this outdoor tent and it was wild and people like really seemed to like us and um we you know did an interview for the dvd and all this shit and we thought we're kind of like we're kind of we're like people are kind of looking (laughs) at us right now this is is pretty great uh we've never really had attention so you know that was the time that we're just it it was otherworldly where it wasn't just we got some good shows we got some bad shows 
um, we're having fun, you know, sometimes you get paid, sometimes you don't. This would, this was a new experience for us or, or that was a new experience for us. Mm. Uh, that's when the, that, and, but that's in a soup, that's a superficial, you know, uh, realization. Yeah. That, that moment. But what was important to us is when we were performing with and toying with and, and kind of befriending people that we, we respected and, um, where suddenly they were looking at us and then talking to us like we were, no, you're like one of us now. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, that's this is cool. This is great. This is like this is where we want to be. So, um, and yeah, th- th- those were the those were moments. And in terms of you, yourself, obviously, lyrically, like I, I don't know. Again, because you have this unusual voice, like it kind of goes hand in hand. Oh. That the, the lyrics that you write are quite sort of. Were we talking about that when I got like all tangential a while ago? About my voice or something? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Were we? And I went fucking crazy in some other direction? But, <laughs> but right, like, what, what kind of... Uh, especially, like, in those earlier days, what, what were you kind of drawing sort of influence from in terms of that you wanted to sort of portray in your lyrics? I don't know. I'd say that the lyrical content and my, my voice... We're just. I'm always just trying to figure out who who I am and what I sound like. Yeah. And I, I never am really sure. I have a, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who uh, is a vocal instructor and, and works with me now. And uh, she has a woman's choir that she does. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, I actually was. Uh, it's called the Assembly of Light Choir. I I sang on. Uh, they have a record out yeah, years ago, and. Uh, she did a collaboration record. Uh, I was on there, and uh, the body is on there. And, oh, uh, awesome! Yeah, uh, and and she's uh, Chrissy. She's been on you know some of a lot of the the body recordings and uh, that Brave Young body collaboration they did. And uh, so she's just she's been around uh, doing a lot of stuff. And you know, I worked with her when I played. I came, I stayed with her for the week and recorded the record. And you know, I played her was playing your songs and she said this is like you 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 sound like yourself now like you this is what you sound like yeah she's singing the way you sound because she used to kind of give me shit about it and, <laughs> um, i didn't i didn't know i didn't know what she was talking about really because i didn't i didn't know what i sound like i still didn't know how to sing and how to um and then it's similarly with how to write I, I never really knew and i read a lot i read quite a bit and there are writers i respect and musicians i respect uh that maybe write in the narrative, the type of style of writing that I uh, use mm. more so in the past several years. But you know, there are other singers who don't do that, and other lyricists who don't do that, and I um, who don't use a narrative, or even don't, and oftentimes don't make sense. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, whenever I'm talking about that, I always bring up the Deftones. I love, I love Deftones. Yeah. But the lyrical content is just silliness. I don't know what the fuck is going on. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense, and I'm sure it's like heavy metaphor, and I'm sure it makes sense. Uh, like, like a David Lynch film where you, you, if you watch it you're like this is just a bunch of fucking what am I I don't even know what I'm looking at S- same thing when I think when I read um, or listen to uh, Deftones yeah. I think well, I don't I'm not getting anything visually from this I can't put anything together uh, but I still like it um, and it's more, I think more about the tone yeah so you know with Canada songs it was kind of more about the tone because I couldn't get the timing for everything I had written right so it was just making noise and then throwing words in here and there because I just did not <laughs> yeah. make it work and you know I, that that's just goes to show my 
you know, immaturity and my uh, inability and my discomfort with my instrument and my uh, writing, and I didn't know what to do. But you know, as I've gotten older, yeah, I, I and I've you know now I've heard more music and I've I've read more books and I've I've tried things that didn't work and and tried things in straight and then gone back and said that you know maybe I shouldn't have I should, I should go back to this and, mm. and, or utilize some version of this style of writing or singing and and try to perfect whatever it is that I'm doing or not even necessarily perfect because uh, you know perfecting is the end like when we've perfected something so I, I'll never perfect what yeah. I'm doing uh, I, I certainly hope not because at that point then what am, <laughs> you might as well be like, done what am I doing then I'm just like jerking off right I'm just like <laughs> well here I am like just gonna keep doing the same shit over and over again uh, I don't want to do that no. artistically yeah. <laughs> obviously I've, I've got to touch upon the, the sort of break hiatus whatever you want to call it but obviously for from a fan perspective obviously a lot of people were kind of bummed when, when that news broke but for for you again from an inside point of view was it bizarre that like this thing that you'd been had been a massive part of your life for so many years was now kind of done and dusted and was it strange sort of coming out of that situation it it needed to happen when it happened um you know we we just we couldn't have continued on the way we were everyone was pretty unhappy and and not getting along and we weren't addressing it yeah we we just continued to play you know this 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 band is that we've always been even when we have been putting out records and we've always been working uh you know somebody leaves the band we have to replace this person and, and then we have to replace another person and we have to prepare for this tour and then we do this other thing and, well now let's sit down and write a record but uh well, we can't because we just got this offer so let's go do this tour uh you know, we kind of couldn't get in, get out of our own way. Yeah. And, and there was a lot of the problems we just weren't addressing. And, you know, what was uh, kind of just a, a, you know, a, a, a fire on the stove turned into a kitchen fire. And we were like, well, we're at the other side of the house. So let's, we don't really have to worry about this, this shit right now. <laughs> yeah. and, and next thing you know, we were just like standing in the lawn in our underwear, just like watching the fucking house burn down. So you know we needed that time and, and I had gotten sober and I wasn't sure if I could keep playing and if I could keep touring anyway I, I there's just too much free everything bad on, on tour so yeah, yeah. anything not good for a human being to live properly is there in abundance and handed to us for free so uh, you know I wasn't even I wasn't sure how to do it and I was uh training with with some fellas and i was and i i didn't want to take time away from those guys and, and this group that i was uh that i was spending all my time with and, and training with and fighting with and i thought wow stopping this and going to play music doesn't seem very appealing right now and uh when we we had an argument about something very insignificant like we were, maybe we were talking about going on tour with some band or and I just said, I, I don't want to do this. Like I, you know, and the short version is, I said I don't want to do it. But I, it was a, it was ugly. And yeah. There was a lot of, a lot of things said, and um, we just stopped. I just said, I'm done. I'm done with you guys. I'm probably maybe forever. I don't know. And the rest of them, you know, John and Sam and Nick got together and said, uh, you know, let's let's 
stop for a while and let's we'll figure this out later this is we need some time and you know it took a couple of years <laughs> before I would even entertain the idea of being around Nick and and but as soon as we were together again we we, we went right into talking about uh, playing yeah we were gonna play and that we were you know it was immediate we, we were just in the same room for a few minutes when we just just started talking with daughters right away and before we, before we get fully into sort of obviously the the quote-unquote comeback obviously something else that you kind of did in, in the interim is um fucking invincible so yeah how did that kind of project come about i just was i just had kind of missed playing uh hardcore yeah stupid hardcore and uh I was just listening to, and, and I was going back because I think I, I, you know, I was just listening to a lot of uh, music, uh, bullshitty intellectual type music or whatever the hell I was thinking, got into, and uh, wasn't listening to hardcore and like kind of uh, revisited a lot of stuff. And I was listening to Crudos and Left for Dead and a lot of stuff. And I, I sent a text to a, a buddy of mine and I said, yo, I want to be in a band that sounds like Left for Dead, yeah. Crudos. And then ten minutes later, you said, "I just got a hold of someone, so he said he'd play in it." And then <laughs> this guy said he'd do it, so we're gonna go do that. I thought, All right, okay. And uh, you know, I was it, it was it was scary to to be in a band again. And again, you know, they we're, we're gonna record. And I said, oh, "I don't know if I can uh, do this record. Uh, maybe you should get somebody else to do it." They said, "Look, we'll get someone else to do it if you don't want to do this." But I think you're just you're just scared. You just won't. You just won't. Just do it. Just come with us and record. You'll be fine. <laughs> and uh, I did. You know, before you know, aside from that, you know, I had done something with uh, the choir that I was talking about earlier, yeah. and uh, I recorded a song with uh, Paul Barker of Ministry for uh, his solo record. So I was, you know singing a little bit but uh, you know I wasn't I didn't I was nervous and kind of scared about every time I was doing something when I worked with Paul I was I thought I don't I don't know how to do this what the fuck am I going to do you know uh, Paul wants me to sing and deliver uh, deliver for him I have no fucking idea how to do this (laughs) and uh, similarly with 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 that fire, I just I didn't know how to do it, what I was going to do. So I, I just you guys harassed me, and so I'll do it. I'll just do it, goddammit. So uh, you know, I'm glad I did it. I had a lot of fun, and uh, you know, we played uh, some great shows, and we played with you know Limp Wrist and Left for Dead and Slapshot and uh, Agnostic Front and. Uh, you know those great bands uh, Infest you know like we played with these bands that I loved and I didn't think I'd ever get to play with yeah. certainly Daughters wasn't going to do any shows with Infest or Slapshot so that was a, it was a good time uh, I really enjoyed it and it, it it made me excited about going to shows and small shows and house shows and basement shows and um, sleeping on floors yeah. uh, that was that was great it, w- it was cool to do that again um in my middle mid thirties, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and obviously, 
now back in indoors and as you say like when sort of you and Nick got back in a room together it was kind of as if nothing had sort of no time had passed almost so uh, without kind of speculating like did you kind of need that time apart to to make what is going on now happen do you feel I mean, we stopped for a reason because yeah. this wasn't. This just was. It wasn't good for us. So, you know, if we if we if we tried to push through that, who knows what would happen? It could have gotten worse. And we could have. It could have gotten physical. You know, you know, with Nick and I, it almost got physical on a couple of occasions, and um, it never did. And but I suppose that we were destined for that had we not taken the time to stop ourselves and and. Um, reassess and you know we're we're, uh, we're in a better place now I mean it's still you know the same on some levels we're still uh, you know kind of combative and uh, we have that yin and yang yeah Nick and I so but I think it, it's good for us and it benefits us on some level uh, you know uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. But again, like, uh, I'm speculating. I don't. I have no idea. It could. It could have. We could have pushed through it, and maybe we'd be better for it. Yeah. We'd be, you know, we, we'd have made uh, four records in the past eight years or ten years, or however long it's been, and not just uh, coming like putting out one for the yeah. first time in eight years. But uh, I don't know. Like I can't say with any amount of certainty what what we would have done but i feel personally that we needed it and and here we are (laughs) where we are now kind of shows that we did the right thing and you mentioned obviously new record coming out first what one in sort of eight nine years yeah is is it kind of a but i've been lucky enough to to hear it so i i know my opinion on it but i want to hear yours like is it daunting like putting out a new record sort of this time round because there's been a gap and people like who maybe have a nostalgic feel for the older stuff are expecting that kind of thing but from the songs you've released already it's clear that that's not going to be the case so I guess one is it kind of a daunting situation or two are you just sort of thinking fuck it this is what Daughters is in 2018 yeah that's I mean that's uh, you know the, uh, the latter yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's why we call it the record you won't get what you want we, yeah. we had to acknowledge that there are, it will certainly be expectations people have but uh, those expectations belong to people that's theirs that's not us it doesn't have anything to do with us that's um, people want us to deliver to them and, and just bring them uh, joy and happiness yeah, and that's not our jobs that's not <laughs> that's what we're here to enough. do we're here to make ourselves happy and, and make art for us that makes us feel good and we feel good about it and hopefully people enjoy it um you know now um whether the uh, and, and you know the, the the joy of the listener and then the performer they're not mutually exclusive things they're you know it's great when there's like a sort of a, a connective uh, being to you know like a, a theory of the universe like we're all connected yeah uh, yeah you know, we're connected 
talented as performers and uh, people as listeners and we need each other but we can't make anyone stay and yeah can't and certainly aren't going to make us give you what it is that you want so you can choose to do with what you will with what we're delivering mm. but we're certainly not gonna stop uh, going in whichever direction it is we choose to go you know that, that we would be doing a disservice to ourselves on a on a personal level uh, in our lives where if we changed who we are and how we felt about music and art to make other people happy mm. you know that is a uh, I don't think people do people still use the term sellout they call people sellouts without, that's, but that's <laughs> like a so. is it still a mo- is it still something that's but like that would be like that's the sellout move right would yeah compromise who what it is that you are doing to please other people at the expense of, of your own self and your creativity and and we're not going to do that that would be or you know artificial and we're doing what it is we want to do mm. say what you want about fucking Metallica uh, I don't. I think Load is shit. It's a crap album. <laughs> but, but like they want to do that, and cool if that's what made them happy. Great, like to do whatever they want. Um, you know, conversely, Slayer wants to do the same shit over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Like as long if the records are good, they're good, right? They speak for themselves. But you know, if if they're content and happy doing that, then that's great for them. We're we're not content playing Canada songs over yeah. and over and over again. Like how many 10 minute records are we going to put out? That's <laughs> yeah. Who and who would, and why would anyone give a shit about that? There's, it's that's thoughtless. And, um, so don't, ex- don't, don't demand we give you anything. Yeah. Like we're, and also we're fucking giving this to you. No one's, <laughs> yeah. People are streaming this record, right? The only people who are buying records are record collectors, really. Uh, you know, and we don't, not that we see shit for that anyway. Yeah. So, Everyone is downloading this record. They're going to stream it. They're going to they're going to borrow it. Something like you're getting something that's important to us that we put ourselves into. That you're you're, you're that's yours. That's yeah. yours now. You can do you can listen to it anytime you want. But like that took time out of my life to do. Like I left my family and my kids to like go to Providence and record, to go on tour, to be where I need to be to make this shit happen. And we've all made sacrifices to do this band because we care about this band. And if we're all behaving in this band in a way that is insincere, then we're wasting our time. Mm. And, and no one should demand that we compromise and, and, and use our personal time to appease them. This is like, if you don't like it, you can listen to something else. It's that simple. Like I said, Metallica, I don't want to hear look. You did it. You guys made a shitty record. That's okay. <laughs> I can go. Like I, this Testament's got a back catalog. I'll, I can listen to it. It's okay. I'll just listen to Kill 'Em All. <laughs> yeah. You guys, like do what you want to do. Everyone just do. Do what you want to do. Be happy. And when it comes to art, make yourself happy. The audience will find it. And if they don't, you know what? You're still filled with. Uh, an abundance of joy for your own accomplishment that's what matters (laughs) a bunch of bullshit I said or something like fucking nonsense you you mentioned obviously kind of earlier and just then as well sort of like the whole kind of idea of of music as as art sort of thing and I think that that's the feeling I got from this record is that it is kind of 
I don't want to say mature, but it's kind of got that feeling of you've kind of, as you mentioned there, you've put your heart and soul into this record rather than it, as you say, being a repeat of Canada songs. So, for from your perspective and the, I guess speaking for the the band generally, was that a kind of a mindscape that you had going into it? Is that this is us sort of not, not as I say, I don't want to say maturing, but. You can say maturing. I feel like we've matured. Yeah, but like al- almost kind of honing the honing the craft and, and using this album as an art form rather than it just being a punk record, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it makes sense. I feel that we are um, making music that that you don't uh, like. I, I, you know, lately my go-to has been like, you know, basically like Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails. Like, nice. You can just. You can be into whatever, and you can like Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Like, same can be said for Radiohead. Like, you can just like, you can be into whatever fucking crazy shit you're into, or whatever mundane bullshit you want to listen to. You want to listen to Foster the People, or whatever it is you're into. Like, you can also listen to Radiohead. You probably will like <laughs> yeah. Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails. Not to say I don't like that first Foster the People record. The first side A of that record is pretty good. But um, whatever you want to hear, Top 40. You can still appreciate other stuff, and and um, you and you can listen to fucking weird, obscure, you know, French industrial music, and still like dig Nine Inch Nails or something that they're doing. Yeah. So that is a. Those are bands that I respect greatly because they have that ability to just appeal to to whomever, and and um, when they're putting something out, it's exciting, and you're you you want to hear it. Um, I would like for us to become a band like that um, for us to just make music and if it's good it stands up and if it's not then it doesn't and uh, you know uh, but we can't try you know we just have to do you know do what it is we want to do we can't force ourselves to make anything mm. and yeah. you mentioned obviously earlier like having sort of family kids and stuff and obviously you guys have got sort of tours and festivals and stuff planned for the future. So how's that kind of dynamic sort of changed your approach to sort of touring of, of like balancing band life and family life? Um, when I'm here, I try to be here as much as I can. Mm. And, uh, and hopefully, you know, everyone's understanding, you know, uh, when I have to leave to play, that's, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really selfish. It's like incredibly selfish to do, and you know I I um, kind of deal with that and accept that as it's part of this. Yeah. Um, you know some sometimes it's a uh, it's a it's nice to be able to leave to to say uh, like well I'm kind of tired of like you know home life, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but to, but then I'm away for a little bit and you you know you really start to miss it um you know i miss my kids when i'm not around you know i just want to like be in their lives and it's yeah. hard to not be um sorry uh, sorry That's uh, right. yeah it's it's tough it's not easy and i don't uh, sometimes i don't like it and i wish that we were in a better uh, position financially that would kind of justify me being gone for extended periods of time and uh, hopefully we can achieve that. <laughs> yeah. 
but uh, I don't know. It's kind of hard to think about and talk about sometimes. No, no, no I, I totally appreciate that. Um, but I'll start winding down now, but one thing that I did want to talk to you about in terms of kind of touring-wise is that obviously you recently got announced that you'll be doing a road band festival over in, in mm-hmm. Holland. And I think that, that sort of like, like most recent batch of announcements was kind of yourselves cave-in and Old Man Gloom, which for, for me personally is like a kind of a Mount Rushmore sort of situation sort of thing. <laughs> so, so like, and I've seen a lot of people have kind of been responding saying, like, as I say, those three bands have kind of swayed them in wanting to go to that festival now. So is that kind of a, a coup that, like, a pat on your back that to not necessarily justify the the sort of you guys getting back together but like sort of showing that people across the pond and in mainland europe are so psyched to see you guys back yeah it's great because you know we haven't we've been playing here a little bit but before that you know we hadn't played in years and oh you know we haven't been in europe and england uh, and even longer yeah so it's uh happy to to go back and uh yeah it's it's you know like like i was saying earlier talking about being feeling validated you know it's good to feel kind of validated you're you're putting a lot of yourself into being creative and then you have the uh, opportunity to go somewhere and take part of something uh grand like roadburn yeah and uh, to also have people show the kind of excitement uh, for bands like uh, the, like a band like cave or that uh, you know, we I grew up listening to. You know, yeah. I, you know, listening to Cave when I was you know seventeen, sixteen. Um, to to kind of be in the same breath as that, it feels <laughs> yeah. good. You know, it's it's great to 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 exist with them um, in people's minds. So, but you know, you can't let it go to your head because that's that's uh, it's all opinion based, you know, and and um, people people's opinions change and people's yeah. uh, ideas of what's good and changes and you just have to go and play because that's all we can do we can only play and hope for the best perfect uh, Alexis how I like to, to end things is kind of I ask my guests what their favourite song is but with a little bit of a twist so what is uh, your favourite daughter's song that you like to play live and why um I like playing the Dead Singer a yeah. lot um, that we've been playing. Yeah, that's a. I think it's a really good song, and it's a lot of fun to sing. And uh, we often play it early, and I have to kind of pace myself because sometimes I <laughs> overcommit. I yeah. overcommit to just like the first few lines and realize that I'm uh, I'm I'm straining myself a little bit. I have to like kind of dial it back. So it's it's a uh, it's good for me discipline wise. Um, there's some stuff on the new record um, I can't wait to play it. I'm really excited about playing. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. That that, that answer would change uh, sure, <laughs> yeah, you know, no in the worries. next few months. But, um, yeah, Dead Singers. Perfect. My favorite to play right now. Perfect. Lexi, thank you very much for, for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. Hey, it was uh, a lot of fun. Perfect. No I'm always happy to talk about myself for an extended <laughs> period of time. <laughs> no worries. Perfect. Take care, dude. Sure thing. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye. Bye bye.
so there we have it folks thanks again to alexis for taking time out of his day to have a little chat with me um daughter's new record uh, you won't get what you want uh, comes out on october 23rd uh, and as mentioned they'll be off on an extensive tour and we'll also be heading over to europe for the roadburn festival next year which i'm gonna be going for for my 30th birthday which i'm super stoked for um so yeah uh, thank you again, Alexis. As always, you can keep up to date with what daughters are doing on all the various social media platforms, which links will be provided in the description of this episode. Um, yeah, that's it for this week, folks. Uh, got some, some cracking guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks again for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I'll see you soon. 